Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. We've been looking at a series, looking at the characteristics of God. And this morning, we're going to move on in that series. We're going to be looking at God, our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Now, this name of God is actually one that he gave himself. It was when the Egyptians were, were trying to oppress his people in, in, in Egypt. And, and God brought on the floods and the, all those the, the, the plagues and things like that. And God said, don't worry about it. I am Jehovah Rapha. I will take care of you. I'll bring healing to you. I will be the one that will take care of you. Um, it's a, so it's a name that God gave himself, Jehovah Rapha. What an amazing, amazing, I, I, every time I, I, I read this word, it reminds me of, of the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle things, <laughs> Raphael. <laughs> but yeah, so the Lord heals, directly translated, Jehovah Rapha. The Lord heals. I have some sad news for you. We are all terminally ill. Reality check. We are all terminally ill. We're all going to die. Every one of us. It's not a matter of if, just of when. Yeah? We're all going to die. Sad truth about life is that death is a real part of life. And unless we face it in light of a loving, living God, we don't have any hope. But we do have an amazing hope in, in knowing that when we do die, life actually only begins then, doesn't really die. And I learned that lesson when I was 17. I was 18 at the time when one of my close school friends was killed on his way to school, got hit by a taxi. He was crossing the traffic light and the taxi went through the red light. And, and his sister wrote a poem and, and was read out at his funeral. And, and I became a blubbering mess in front of all my schoolmates. Um, it's quite, quite, it quite a thing. But, but the poem actually read that Peter's life has not ended, it's only just begun. And that, that, that is the reality of what we face. But before we delve deep into to what um, it means to have God as our healer, I just have a little, little story about there was a, a man who went and, and saw the pastor because he was, uh, he was struggling a bit with his relationships at home. And he, and he wanted some healing in, in the relationship. And, um, and he went and saw the pastor. And unbeknownst to him, just a few days before that, um, the pastor saw his wife and, and they spoke. And, and the wife explained to the pastor how much she loved this guy and that, that he was just really special to him. But they were busy struggling in their marriage. And, and so the, this, this guy goes to the pastor and the pastor says, listen, listen, I want you to understand this. Your wife, I'm sure she loves you so much. Now, she's, she's really special. you just got to learn to, to, to work things out. And, and, um, and, and what I want you to do in the next week Okay, it's just to go and see how much she cares for you. 
list all the things, work out how, she, how much she cares for you, and, and then come back and talk to me. So this guy thinking, oh, okay, well, I wonder what I could do to see how much my wife cares for me. And then he got this amazing plan. He took his wife and his dog and locked them up in the boot of his car. Left them there for about half an hour. And thought, okay, great. Go open up the car. Now, who do you think was happiest to see him when he got there? The dog. Anyway, so this guy goes back to the pastor a week later and, and he's got stitches over here and bruises over here. Pastor says, what, 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 what was going on? You know? um, and, and the guy said, I took your advice. I went home and I went to go and see who loved me the most, who cared for me the most, my wife or my dog. And he explains, I put them in the trunk of the car, locked the, you know, closed them up, opened up. When I opened the door, the dog was happiest to see me. And the pastor says, and then what about these cuts and bruises here? And he turned and said, well, I forgot to take the tire iron out of the car. You see, healing and, and, and that is all about perspective. How we see God and how we see God's healing in our lives is a perspective of from God's perspective or from a human perspective. God as healer sees life as a whole. He doesn't see life as we do from a human perspective. And so often when we go to God and ask for healing, knowing that he is our God, our healer, we want it our way and not necessarily his way. And, and as human beings, you know, human society, we spend millions and millions and millions on trying to find the fountain of youth, to stay whole, to stay healed. You know, ladies put a lot of cream to get away rid of the wrinkles and the put makeup on to cover the puffed eyes so that they can look younger. And Suresh is looking at me because I put a lot of cream on my face. That's because I've got eczema. It's not because I want to look younger. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the, the industry is a multi-billion dollar industry on trying to make people look younger and healthier. There's this billions and billions and billions spent on people trying to have surgeries to make themselves look better, to make themselves look healthier. You know, and, and at the end of the day, that's just our own ego speaking. It's not the true way that God sees life. Yeah. We're even spending billions these days on getting ready to you know, freeze our bodies so that one day when they do find that magic pull, that we can you know, unfreeze our body and give us the pull and we can live happily ever after. To be honest with you, I don't want that. Why on earth would I want to stay on earth when I can go to heaven and be in the presence of God? You know? But yet we do everything we can to, to, to stay on earth. Okay. So just looking back a little bit at the, at the history of, of God, our healer, 
Now we can go right back into the Old Testament and there's story after story after story of how God healed the nations, especially the Jewish nation. You see how they went back into sin, they, God brought them out of that sin and brought healing upon the nation. There were individuals that God healed incredibly. Looking at the nations, one of the stories that I love is, is when Moses was taking the people in the wilderness and, and the snakes were brought out. And people were being bitten by snakes and dying and things like that. God made a way for them to be healed. He, he, they, they, he told Moses, take a, a staff and put a bronze snake on the top of it. And if the people looked up to the bronze staff, they'd be healed. And that story speaks so much of how we need to focus on obedience, focusing on what God has said and focusing on his direction for healing to take place. It's not a human thing, it's a God thing. The other story I love in the Old Testament, the story about, is it Naaman? Naaman? Yeah? Where, where this guy, he had leprosy. And what I love about the story, it wasn't actually him that got him to a place to go and seek out God's healing. It was his wife's servant girl, who was a Jewish young lady. And she said, if only my master could go and see this prophet and, and he get healing. And eventually, he goes and sees this prophet. And, and, and Naaman was thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to go see this guy. He can you know, put his hands on me. And somehow, magically, all these leprosy things will come off my body. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Because Naaman had to first submit himself to God. And when he submitted himself to God, the healing came. In the New Testament, we can go on and see there are myriad, a myriad of healings that take place. You know, there's the leopards that are healed. There's the withered hand that was uh, restored. We, we know of the woman who bled for years and years and years. And just by touching and submitting to God, that bleeding stopped. Peter's mother-in-law. You know, good luck to Peter if he didn't think about his mother-in-law. But Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Jairus' daughter, the blind got sight, the, the, the deaf got hearing, the, the, the lame people walked again. We can see throughout history that our God, our healing Father, our Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, has been there. And the amazing thing is, he's here right now. Our Jehovah Rapha is here. He's the one that brings healing. It's, it's not ironic that as a family, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, I'm going to cry. We got news this week that my brother-in-law has cancer. But the amazing thing is we have Jehovah Rapha. He's the one that we can hold on to. He's the one that we can trust to bring healing to Philip. He's the one that we can put our hope into. But what I want us to focus on this morning is the passage in, in James. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. 
Because in my mind, this, this passage encapsulates the essence of God's healing power and how we as a church today can respond to that. Let's read it together. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayers offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. What an incredible promise from God. Anyone among you is sick? Okay, so if we are sick, let's call for the elders. I just want to say, this doesn't mean if you get a cold, you call the elders and they've got to come to your house and anoint you with oil, you know, and pray over you. Looking back at the scriptures here, okay, if you put this in, uh, one thing that, that I learned when I was at Bible College, Dr. Ralph Christian said, I still remember American missiologist always used to say, don't preach from the scriptures until you have read that passage 50 times in the context of the whole book. Context plus content put into context is how we need to look at the scripture. Okay. And so if you actually go and look at the passages around healing, it, it is, when it's talking about sick, it's actually people who are really, really sick. So yeah, if you're sick, let them call the elders. Yeah, call the elders. These are the guys that are spiritually mature. These are the guys that have been put in leadership over us. So good thing to call them. And then they can anoint you with oil. Well, is it linseed oil? Is it olive oil? Is it sunflower oil? We'll see. Anoint them in the name of the Lord. And, and that's, that's the key there. It's in the name of the Lord. It's not anything miraculous about this fascinating oil. Okay? And then the prayer offered in faith will, will heal them. So, okay. And then the Lord will raise them up. The Lord will raise them up. And then if you've sinned, you know, okay, so if you've sinned. And I think a lot of calling the elders and the leadership of the church is to deal with that sin. Um, but we'll get into that in a, in a little while. Do you really believe in the power of prayer? And this is a question that each one of us has to really answer. Do we really believe in the power of prayer? And if we do believe in that power of prayer, Do we practice it? There was a, a, a bar owner in America who thought, well, it's about time that they wanted to expand their business. And so got some plans drawn up and started this construction of this, making the small bar into a massive place that they're going to use for, get some of the, the pokey machines in. And, like and the local church got word of this. And so they started having prayer meetings. They started praying over this place and, and praying that, that the, 
this building wouldn't take place. And, but the bar owner ignored what their, their concerns and their petitions and everything else and, and continued to go and build up the bar. And, and a week before the grand opening, they have this massive storm and lightning strikes the bar and the bar burns down. And the church goes and has this massive praise party. God has answered their prayers. That was until this American, and it's only in America, American barman took them to court, claiming that it's their fault that his bar burnt down and he was going to sue them. And so um, the prosecution you know, brought their, their case to the, the judge and, and the defense brought their case to the judge and eventually the judge decides, yes, we can take this, this to trial. But in, in, in his summarizing, he says, he puts the, I, said, I don't know how I'm going to judge this. Because here we have a barman who has, believes in the power of prayer. And we have a church that denies the power of prayer. Do you really believe in the power of prayer? Because I think that's the, the key thing here. The key thing here is that we call on the elders. It's a step of human authority or human. It is taking the step forward by actually owning up to the fact that I do need support. I do need help. I do need someone to come alongside me in my illness. It's a, it's a step of obedience. Okay, that, that we want God to do something special in our lives. Then they're going to come and anoint us with oil. And, and, and this is something that has been quite contentious amongst the church over the years. Is what, what's this all about, this oil and the anointing of it? Now, there's two schools of thought here. The one school of thought is that it is a supernatural anointing, whereby like they did in the Old Testament when they anointed the person who's going to become king or become the high priest. There's that anointment. It's almost a spiritual element. And then there's the other element where they anoint oil or put oil on is, is a sense that the oil brings healing to wounds. Like, like they did, like Jesus did with, in his story of the this Good Samaritan where he, the Samaritan stopped and, and, and he dressed the wounds with oil and bandages. Okay, So the word anoint there is, is key to this. And if you can just go to the next slide. So the word anoint in that scripture is alepsantes. I hope my Greek sounds good to you. And that word means to dab or to smear. All right. If it was specifically the, the spiritual anointing, it would have been the word, the Greek word, krio, which means to anoint ceremonially. Okay, so the passage there uses the, the writer of uh, James chose the word, alis, you know, that word. <laughs> and if you don't know it, it's Greek to me as well. <laughs> the word there is to anoint. Now, when we look at this passage of scripture, we need to look at it as 
it was written in context. Remember I said that my lecture at Bible College, context is content in context. And we needed to look at it in the context of what it would have meant or how it would have been understood by the first century Christian as opposed to the 21st century Christian in an English translation of what the scriptures meant. Now, back in the day when, when, when this was written, oil was the go-to medication. It was the best knowledge of medicine of the day. And they would actually come and, and not only the smelly oils, the, the aromatherapies, um, oils or that, it was actually the oils would actually soothe, bring soothing to, um, to wounds, to, to illnesses. It's actually, they would bring the best medication of the day into the picture and then trust God to use that to bring healing to the people. That's where I stand. There are people who differ with me. People still believe that the anointing of the oil is a way of lifting that person up into the presence of God and saying, God, we are setting this person aside to be healed. Now, many of us in, in the Western culture, we are black or white. and We're one side or the other. Can I suggest that this is a combination of both? Yes, we are looking at the best medication of the day and we're bringing that into the picture, but we are also anointing this person, setting them aside to be healed by God in the process. So apisantis meaning to, to dab or to smear. And they'd come and they'd massage oil. Now I just want to, to once again just say that it's not our job to call the elders on to come and give us a massage when we're not doing well. Okay, although that's what they used to do. They used to actually massage oil into the person as part of the healing process. But it would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> but this passage of scripture is the essence of what God wants to do for us in healing us. Okay, God cares about not just our physical ailments, He cares about our spiritual ailment and our emotional ailment. He wants to look at us as, as a whole person. Right? When, when they talk about someone who's not well, it's not just necessarily a physical illness. It could be a spiritual illness. It could be an emotional illness. And might I suggest that actually those are not separated. Very often they're intertwined. You just go and look at the medical profession and speak to medical professionals today. I was hearing that they're saying that 60, 70, 80% of cases that doctors see today is all psychosomatic. It's because of people's, the pressures that they're under and things like that that brings on these illnesses. You know that, that there are some real headaches because of the worry of not trusting God for our future. There are, are real ulcers from someone finding out about our secret life, the stresses that they cause. 
there's real things like colitis and, 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 and IBS that comes along with people who are stressed about marriages, their marriage, and, and fighting with their spouse. These emotional stresses and things that we have bring along just as much physical illnesses as, as physical elements that happen to a person in reality. So looking at these, at this passage of scripture, we recognize that, that God actually had this all sorted out even before modern day medicine had it sorted out. That he cares about the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional side of us as, as, as people. So if any among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. So you're physically sick, call the elders. They anoint him with oil, bring the best medical professional side of things. Get the best medical advice. And trust God to bring healing. Prayer offered up in faith will make the sick person well. God does not care about the one component of our body. He cares us about us as a whole, the whole body. There are some contentious things in here, in this passage that come out as well, and I just want to address. One of them is faith. Looking at the faith element of, of healing. And there's a real danger when we look at faith and, and concentrate on faith as the root of where our healing comes from. Speak to the person who's just lost their spouse to cancer. I've been praying. I've been trusting. We call the elders that anointed that person with oil and yet they still died. Imagine the guilt and the shame that comes upon that person if we are saying, well, you know, if you only had faith, God would have healed that person. If your faith was stronger, things would have gone a different way. Why are we hanging that condemnation on people? Why are we holding it against them? When we turn around and say, well, if you only had faith. It's not their, faith, it's not their problem to, 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 to hold on to. Because it's not faith that heals them. It's God that heals them. And let me give you a reality check. Death is a form of healing. It's healing for the person who's died. Yeah, it's crap for the rest of us. It's painful. We're the ones that have to lift, are left to pick up the pieces. But that person's in heaven. There's no more pain there. There's no more broken bones and illnesses in heaven. Our faith is not what God depends on to heal us. He heals us. He's, he, he is so much greater than our faith and our ability to have a faith to bring healing to a person. And this, this, this is, there's a couple of passages in Scripture where we actually see this in reality. There was that, that father who brought his demon-possessed son 
to him to be healed. And, and Jesus turned around and said to him, well, do you have faith? And that guy turned around and said, well, possibly, I don't know. And, and, and he turned around and said, basically turned around and said, Jesus, well, look, you know, help me in my unbelief in my own when I don't have faith. And Jesus healed him. But then on the other side of the coin, there was Jesus who had a perfect faith. And he went to the Father and said, take this burden from me. I don't want to have to suffer this. And God chose not to do that because sometimes when illness is there or when, when things happen, it's because God's purpose is far greater than our desire. God's purpose is far more, he sees the big picture. And we who have our blinkers on and only see the picture that is affecting us, right? So your level of faith does not determine when, where, and how a person is healed. It's God that makes the call, not you, not me, not the elders. Our job is to just offer up the prayer of faith in anticipation for what God is going to do and how he is going to move. The second thing there that, that I've come across as being contentious is, is the fact that they call the elders. Now there's two schools of thought around this. And the first one being where, why the elders? I mean, who do they think they are? I mean, after all, you know, they're just people like you and me. What's so good about them? Have they got a special anointing that I don't get? The other side of the coin. Is that. These are the people that God has set aside as of spiritual leaders over us. They're the ones who, who God has instructed to take care of his sheep, take care of us, to lead us, to guide us. It's not that they have any special magic powers or anything, although sometimes we wish they did. It comes out of a thing of obedience to God's instructions. The elders. Calling for the elders doesn't necessarily take us away from our responsibilities as individuals as to how we trust God for healing for ourselves. Because if we're going to do that, if we're going to be calling the elders for the, the sniffles when your child wakes up in the morning, doesn't want to go to school, to anoint them. Okay. Doesn't that take away the responsibility that God has given to us to pray, to ask for healing? And, and, and the way we can see this is actually the sandwich of this verse. Okay. Verse 13 says, If anyone among you is suffering, or is in trouble, um, some translations have this suffering. 
So if any of you are sick or, or something's happening in your life, let them pray. God has given, open up the throne room of, 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 of his glory to us to actually go into and to seek God for healing. If any one of them is happy, let them sing songs of praise. Do we get the picture there? God has given each one of us the ability to pray for ourselves. You first need to, in fact, we first need to be praying for ourselves before we call the elders. And God does answer our prayers, you know. That's not something that is, uh, is new to us. Then moving on to this passage after, therefore, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. We have community. Confess your sins to one another. Now, we have small groups. And one thing I have been really blown away by is, is the Friday night's group of men that we hang out together. Just how God has used that group to bring healing, bring freedom from difficulties because we've been able to go there and freely confess to each other and to pray for each other and to hold each other up in prayer and I've just seen I've been blown away to be honest with you but therefore confess your sins to one another that doesn't mean that it's a free-for-all I think it's John Stott or John Scott one of those one of those theologians actually came up with he said there's when you're looking at confession um, in the modern day term uh, be very careful who you confess your sins to. Not everyone can cope with it. Not everyone should be hearing what you're going through in your life. And, uh, and, he, and, he, and he sets out levels of, of, of what you should confess and who you should confess to. And, and, and basically the first one is if it's, if it's something that publicly you've done, that publicly needs a confession, then do it publicly. If it's something that's very personal to you that you've done and requires you to speak it out, seek out someone you trust, someone who has the wisdom and the understanding to be able to cope with what you've been going through. And the last one is if it's something that just separates you from God, that confession is between you and God. You don't need to go and blurt that out to the public. Confession is something that brings healing because it actually, it puts out there what's happening inside. It takes away the burden of holding on to that. You see, we, we are all masters of hiding things that are going on inside of our lives. And when we hide that, it actually affects us physically. It affects us, our bodies I mentioned earlier on about the different types of guilt and anxiety and things like that that actually bring on physical ailments into our body. One of the things I've, I've been enjoying, just, um, we just started a new uh, subject at uni. I'm busy studying counselling. And uh, we're looking at all the greats of the psychological world, um, the, the, the Freuds and the Ericsson and Maslow and all those sort of things. I'm looking at, at their, their 
their way of thinking and, and trying to understand how they thought and how we can move that into modern day society and, and apply that to, to people who come to counselling today. And most of these guys actually lived around the same time. They actually, a lot of them knew each other. And I was quite interested to, to understand that, that they, they knew each other. And they would have meetings every now and again. And one of the guys came into the room apparently one day and he said, there's this is amazing thing that's happened. A new way of thinking, it, it, it's, been, it's been brilliant. And it's brought so much healing to people who are suffering from mental illness. And, 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 and you know what that is? And he says, it's forgiveness. Yeah, these great minds in the thinking world of how our brains work and how our emotions are attached to that have come to this incredible knowledge that forgiveness brings healing. Yet, back in the book, many thousand years ago, God actually told them already, hey, you know, you want some healing in your body? Don't hold crutches. Seek God's forgiveness. Confess your sins. Because forgiveness is not about being set free from what you've done. Forgiveness is about you being freed from what holds you down. And it gives you the freedom to move on in your life. Forgiveness works two ways. You need to seek it when you've done wrong. And you need to give it when someone has done you wrong. Not because they deserve it, but because you deserve it. You deserve to be free from all those things. Our God is a God who loves to heal us. He loves to set us free from the, the burdens of what we hold on to. He wants us to be physically healed. He wants us to be emotionally healed. He wants us to be spiritually healed. It's not one or the other. It's all of those things. Jehovah Rapha, the God who conquers all illnesses. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you are a loving God, that you care about us enough to to want to see us whole, to want to see us as complete, wonderfully made people. Father, thank you that you have given us this incredible privilege to, to stand alongside each other. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible blessing of elders who can come and, and stand in the gap where, where we lack our faith. Father, I pray that, um, that as we focus on you, our healer, Lord, that you start the process of healing where we are hurting. That you take away the pains of, of what's happening inside our minds, what's happening inside of our physical bodies, and what's happening in our spirit. And Lord, that you would draw us closer to you that we can know you and honour you and serve you better every moment of each day. So Lord, we ask for your blessing upon us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.